It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 301 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday. Easy like Sunday morning. Or maybe you're listening to this Monday on the commute to work. However, whatever day you listen to, I'm recording on Saturday. The Derby Day, 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. And it was won by Mage, 15 to 1. How's that? That's not a little not a little bad little payday. Yeah, it was like early this morning. I know that the, the uh, favorite uh, was uh, scratched from the race. And uh, that's kind of threw the odds into turmoil but uh so yeah you got a 15 to 1 long shot win in the race so somebody cashed a nice little ticket but uh other than that we got some playoff action yeah you know whatever <laughs> um although i will say the uh the 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 oilers and the knights apparently got at it a little bit they had a little uh you know there was a little uh slap and tickle going on 
little scrum, little wrestling match. Everybody, of course, goes, oh, violence, it's violent, old-time hockey. You know, I think there's about three punches thrown in total. Everyone's wrestling, and, you know, one guy's scared, the other guy's glad of it, and, you know, whatever. Other guy's seeking asylum, you know. Uh, you know, but everybody's, oh, this is what the playoffs are all about. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a good thing, oh, yeah, for... What, is this, what did Spectre put? Oh, it was a good thing that so-and-so stepped in against the always tough William Carrier. I'm like, who? I've never heard of this person. William, he's the tough guy now for the Vegas? Oh, all right. Well, that's where that's where we're at in terms of toughness in 2023, I guess. But, um, you know, no offense. But, I mean, oh, you know, gee, are we serious here? But um, so I always laugh. Like, these players get cross-checked in the face. The one guy takes a skate in the face. I mean, they'll go in there, get a couple stitches, come back out and play, or they put a cage on and keep playing. Like, no doubt about it. Like, toughness, for sure. But when it actually comes down to, like, fighting, why does everybody look so scared? I'm just, you know, you'll take a skate in the face, but you won't drop the gloves with Jack Eichel, you know, or somebody. Like, like, like I'm not... Uh, talking like I'm Mr. Tough Guy over here, but who the fuck is scared of William Carrier? Like, you know, but these guys all, everyone, at, like whenever they're, like, I mean, I guess, like if Reeves or Lucic is grabbing a guy, I can see why the guy would be like, oh shit, you know, and he'd be looking around like, you know, hoping, hoping for someone coming in to bail him out. But I mean, for the most part, really? Like one of these guys, are you scared of any of these people? Like if you're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm like, not knocking the Leafs, but I'm just, you know, whatever, but I mean, or even Florida or something. If, who on this team grabs you? Are you going to be scared of? Like, but these guys all act like they're just terrified to fight. Like, I don't get it. Like I said, you'll take a skate in the face for 29 stitches and, you know, no, you know, no pain, no, no, no pain or nothing. Uh, you know, no numbing agent. You'll just, uh, yeah, sew me up, doc. And then, uh, it's like young blood and, Go back out there, you know, put a little cage on and keep playing, uh, you know, with half your face numb and falling off. But I mean, oh my God, if somebody wanted to drop the gloves and you might actually eat a punch or two. Oh, well, I can't do that. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. It's just kind of weird to me. But anyway, that has nothing to do. I don't, what am I talking about? Look at this. It's Saturday night and it's 10 o'clock and I'm already rambling and, Staring off into the darkness here as I'm battling for things to talk about. Um, but I do have a few things to talk about. Um, but first, we got to do... Wow, there's a little bit of an announcement to make too. Despite my objections, this shows you how much clout I have around the network. But let's get into this. Of course, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's even more than 50 shows now on the network. All the NHL teams have podcasts, so whatever NHL team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. We have some original content creators, myself on the network, Terry Ryan. Oh, and they've added another. Oh, here we go. The Five for Fighting podcast is now a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah, here we are. We've, I don't know if desperate, we're, if, I don't know if the network's throwing a Hail Mary pass here. We're, you know, we, I, there must be trouble or something. Clear, and like I said, the thing that bothers me at the morning meetings, clearly my voice is not being, my objections are not being heard. Because when this little nugget of information came across the desk, I was like, are we, we're going to bring this mud show aboard? I don't know. It's going to, we're all going to get muddy now. I don't know. Hard times. 
Yeah. But, uh, no, it's uh, in all seriousness. I'm pumped that Alec is on the network. Um, he and I have been kind of talking back and forth about kind of show ideas and, um, but now I don't know, like, I mean, I don't think much is going to change on a show. I think it might get a little more East Coast Hockey League focused. Um, I've been, I've, I think I've, I don't know if I've said that on the air. Um, I've been very open in the fact that I think he should do that. Um, just because I think it would it would gain a lot of traction. Um, there's a lot of East Coast League fans. Um, I haven't gone actively searching, but from as far as I could tell, there is not a lot of East Coast. There might be a, a team that has a podcast, like a fan of a team that has a podcast. I know there's a couple like fans that do podcasts, and I've listened to a couple for a couple minutes, and they're they're fucking terrible. Like again, I'm not sitting here saying I'm. Spitting chiglets, but I mean, come on now, you know, like I, uh, I have a real tough time when shows have guests on and it's clear that they did no research, uh, other than they opened up hockey DB. Uh, and that bugs me. That would bug me as a listener. Um, it's insulting. It's insulting to the guests that you're having on that you don't know their career. No, I'm saying you don't have to know every nook and cranny and nuance of their career, but I mean, holy shit, know where they play junior. Or that, oh, is that in the Ontario League or in Quebec there? Or, like, what What are you doing? Like, did you not notice the, like, holy shit, Hockey DB will even tell you what league it is. It's just shit like that bugs me. You know? Anyway, I'm not going to say the show or what the guest was, but it was, needless to say, my, uh, my uh, attention was not held for very long. Um, so anyway, getting back to Alec, I was just like, dude, you kind of know what's going on. I mean, you, with the East Coast League, you should get on that. And that was what I was kind of th- saying. So I don't know um, if he is, I mean, whatever. We had a discussion about it. He didn't say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing for sure. But I mean, you know, that was my suggestion to him. So I think he might be tinkering. Well, I know he is tinkering with the show a little bit and the format and kind of the, um, I, I don't know what the, not a goal, but I mean, the objective of the show may be changing a little bit, but, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I mean, for a guy that was quitting a few, uh, about a month or two ago to all of a sudden now he's on the network and he's got a merchandise deal. So, uh, yeah. You know, he, he from from the ashes arose the phoenix, or in this case, I don't know what would it be. A, a, I don't know. There's got to be some. What bird likes to wallow in the mud? But uh, no, I'm I'm happy for Alec. I'm pumped that he's on the network, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to the content. Uh, speaking of which, he actually has released. Uh, he did release an episode a couple days ago with uh, Chris Ortabody from uh, a tough guy from the East Coast League. It's part two. Well, it's not really part two. Well, it's the second time he's had him on. It wasn't like it was a continuation of his last interview, but it was second time that Chris has been on. So uh, I encourage you guys to check that out. And then, of course, uh, the other character, Joel, Joel Lazito out in New York. Um, he has, well, I mean, Joe loves podcasting so much he does two shows from two different teams, kind of. Well, not really. <laughs> He has the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. That was his original podcast. It was a New York Islander-based podcast. And it was just that. He interviewed former New York Islanders. Fakoda, Dean Ewan, uh, Rich Pilon, uh, on and on. It was, uh, you know, 
did a great job. Uh, Trevor Gillies, all that. And, um, and then after that kind of that, cause that's the thing, you, you gotta paint yourself into a corner with, you know, they have to be Islander players or, you know, so, um, you know, the well kind of ran dry there. And I know Joe, you know, with work and everything else had kind of stopped. And then, um, Joe's second favorite team as from throughout his, throughout his life was the Quebec Nordiques. So he figured he would start a Nordiques podcast. So it was the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. And again, same thing, interviewing Quebec Nordique players. Um, so, and he's done a few and, um, and he bounces back and forth. If an, if an ex-Islander comes back into his lap and he can do an interview with them, he'll revive that podcast. They're all, it's a Quebec one. So Joe's bouncing back and forth and, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's everywhere, but his latest episode is with Ross Olson on the Coliseum Chronicles and, uh, who we met down in Orlando and, uh, yeah. And again, Joe's got a great back catalog, does a great job. I'm going to have Joe on here in the next little bit. Um, remember when I said I was, I wanted Joe on the show, well, people that are new to tuning in, they're like, what is this guy talking about? Uh, it was a while, it was a few episodes ago. I was talking, I, I don't know, I was just thinking out loud as I'm sitting in the dark one time and I was, I said I was going to get Joe Lazito on and then I completely blanked on what I was going to have him do. It was in my head what I wanted to say and then I completely forgot what it was. What kind of, and now I remembered what it was. Finally, I think it was a few weeks later. I found, I remembered what it was. Um, I I would like to revive. I've done it a couple. I uh, I did a couple episodes of this, um, and I'm always looking for new ideas. Um, there's only so many lists and spotlights and whatever that uh, that you can do. Um, so I'm always trying to change things up. And one of the episodes or one of the kind of things that I did was uh, I called it the season ticket episode, and. Um, I had John Searson on from the UK, and we talked about the Nottingham uh, Panthers. Um, the years, uh, the year, I, this is this bit just sort of caught me off guard. I, the year I cannot remember that we did, but and then I also did with Jay, who was on last week, my on my 300th episode. We talked about the Southern Pro League in review. I had him on, and it was the United Hockey League. Um, I believe it was 0607 or 0. Oh five oh six. It was the year that Danbury first came into the league. Um, we did that because, uh, of course, Jay was in Quad City, um, and we talked about. We just go through the league, talk about the different. Obviously, it's fight specific. We talk about the tough guys on each team, but if there was some incidents that went on or something that went on throughout the league or what have you, we talked about that. And then I had uh, Anthony on from Las Vegas, and it was like a. It was an East Coast league. It was a Wrangler season ticket, and. Uh, and I, and it's just kind of, and it's a certain, like I said, a certain year and we go through the rosters on each team and talk about the tough guys and, uh, and that type of thing. Um, well, I talked to Joe and it obviously it would be like an Islander one, but more so than an Islander one, Islander one. Um, it would just be like a, a an NHL, uh, season. And I believe Joe throughout, I think 89, 90, I think he talked about, um, Where's my? I can't see where my phone is. But um, at any rate, we haven't. I mean, we haven't done it, recorded it yet. But that was kind of what I was talking to Joe about. And uh, obviously, we, you know, we, Joe being the Islander guy, would be focused in on the Islanders. But we would talk about other teams and incidents that happened that year and blah blah blah. And like I said, I think it's a, it would be it's a, there, I don't know. It was just something unique. It, like I said, it's something different. How many? Who's better, Probert or Brown? I mean, how, how, you know, round and around we go. I mean, how many times can we talk about that subject, right? So, 
Um, and there's a few things. I have a few um, topics that I'd like to talk about. I've talked to a few guys. Uh, John and I and Chris and I have been going back and forth about uh, kind of uh, fight myths or myths over the years, uh, as I'm going to get into here with Gordy Howe shortly. But uh, like the Larry Robinson Schultz thing or the, you know, or whatever. Um, things that always seem to get brought up, not only on the today's Facebook fight boards, but the old fried chicken days and the old hockeyfights.com message boards. There was always some uh, revisionist history going on and and we're going to dispel a few myths. We're going to be myth busters. And uh, I think we're going to do, do that. And, uh, and then I talked to Steve. And one of the things I've uh, he we had talked about, um, I had a few people send me ideas. One of them being, of course, as we're in the playoffs right now, is playoff fights. What are some uh, memorable playoff fights? Of course, the Montreal Philly brawl from uh, eighty. What is eighty six, eighty seven? It's eighty seven, isn't it? Yeah, I, I believe so. But that one, and of course, you know Clark and McSorley, and you know all those, uh, you know, kind of talked about bouts from the playoffs back when they actually did fight in the playoffs before the media all of a sudden, well, that's why they, there's no fighting in the playoffs. Well, there used to be. There used to be brawls and everything. Now, just because there hasn't been in the last little while, like these goofs always talk like, oh, no, the playoffs have always been free of violence. Like, what? You know, like, oh, they just sort of like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just completely forget history, right? We'll just... You know, we'll we'll just go right into, yeah, because nothing happened before 2010. You know, but um, so that's that's another topic we're gonna I'm gonna uh, you know dive into here. So yeah, I got a few shows coming up here that'll be uh, that uh, that should be should be interesting with a few topics. So um, yeah, like I said, always trying to. Um, well, like I said, you 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 put up I put out this much content. Um, Always trying to find something different. And like I said, I've, you know, you do a few things here and there and try if it doesn't work or that it doesn't seem to catch on, then, you know, just ditch that and go to something else. But, uh, you know, uh, so I think we got some season coming and, uh, you know, and all that type of stuff. But, uh, but let's get back into what are we doing today? Um, well, well, I'm going to talk about this in a second, but, uh, you know, of course, it's a Sunday episode tradition. I'm going to start starting here. So, um, my week on the internet, was, I had a few little back and forths with a few jokers. Um, today's players, I'm going to do a player spotlight on big, none other than Big Mac, Steve McIntyre. Yes. Um, I'm going to have, uh, we're going to break down his, uh, NHL fights. It was, and it was fun to, uh, Fun to go down, and I, and I think people will be surprised um, that uh, McIntyre I don't think had as many NHL fights as people think he did. So, uh, and I'm going to review them. So we're going to break into that. So yeah, we're going to do that. And uh, but first, I want to bring up uh, just a little something real quick. And I probably I, I know I've addressed this before, and uh, but it it kind of it hit me again today as I was kind of scrolling and. Uh, it's funny, I kind of, I was sitting, it was when the derby was on, actually, I was sitting there, you know, uh, with my wife on the couch, and, you know, we're just kind of playing on the phones, watching TV and whatever, and just scrolling through, and, um, like, I see these videos, oh, okay, I'll, I'll back it up, I'll back it, <clears throat> well, I, I bitched about this topic before, about content creation, and guys that, people that just steal, and, um, you, and, and it's, I'm not just talking about Joe, nobody that 
steal something from what... Like, no, these are, like, major social media... Like, that have major social media presence. Whether it be Facebook groups or Twitter, like Spit and Chiglets. I've yelled about Spit and Chiglets stealing my videos off my YouTube channel. And slapping their watermark on it. And not, you know, stuff like that. Hockeyfights.com taking videos... Like I said, they, you know, linking it to their, onto their site without asking. And, um, and anyway, it was Instigators Hockey brought it up on Facebook about, um, they had done some photoshopping, they some funny memes or whatever. Well, a bunch of the other Facebook groups of, you know, Blades of Steel and Wheelhouse Hockey and blah, blah, blah. I'm just throwing out, but they're, you know, th- these places have a hundred thousand members, these Facebook groups. And all they do is just go around, they steal memes, they put up fight videos from other people's YouTube channels, give, which is whatever, but the problem that I always have is they give no credit to who the where they got the YouTube fight clip from. They just hot link it, so, you know, and it's just like, can you not say what channel you got it from to give the person the rub a little bit? No, it's just everybody steals everything. So, basically, the instigator group kind of threw out, like called these guys out for kind of taking their shit. And um, and then just reading all the comments, there's over 100 comments. And and I could always tell, like, most of these people are like, oh, who cares? It's the internet, bro. You know, and all that. It's just a meme. It's just this. Yeah, but, yeah, but. There's always the yeah, but. I could tell by the response that these people have never, of course, they've never created. It's always these young people. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it's always the young people, but that's, Obviously, the demographic that's mostly on social media, but you can always tell who these um, who've never created anything. Um, all they do is just whatever is the easiest way. Just all they're looking for is to get clicks and impressions and likes and look at me, and they don't care that they don't have any respect for anything. There's no, it's the wild west. There's not like I mean, there's a reason there's copyright law. But I mean, on the internet, whatever. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, oh, they stole a meme. I mean, it's not the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. But my point being is, if you're going to take it, why not just say, oh, from I got this from Instigators Hockey. Or I got this fight video from the History of Hockey Fights. Or I got it from the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Like, why? I always said, why can't people just do that? So you still get to see the video. The people are still going to see it on your channel. But it's you can also recognize who you got it from. Is that so hard? Like it's just like these, and they just and like I said, these are big name content things. All the oh, who cares, bro? It's just the internet. Get over it and all this. Yeah, from Johnny sitting on his couch that just wants to, you know, you've never. It's like the, oh, I always say with YouTube. Oh, you could just go onto YouTube, type in John Morasti. Oh shit! Well, there's a hundred of his fights I get to watch for. You did nothing to do that. All you did was type in his name and sitting on your while well, you're sitting on the shit or playing on your phone. Yeah, but you give no thought or credit to any of the anybody that actually took the time to get out their DVD or their VHS copy, upload it, took the time out of their collection to put it on there. Blah blah blah. You know, no one thinks of that. No, in fact, other places, they'll just take that video, then they they clip it off even more, go and put it on their site, slap their watermark on it, 
And now they just steal content. They've never, so, I mean, they never went to the rink and filmed it themselves or harassed the team to try to get game tape or recorded it, sat there and recorded it on their VCR. And I mean, you know, on and on. You know, and I get the hypocrisy of what I'm saying with my, like, with my YouTube channel, all the fight. I didn't record all those fights. Yeah, I got them from my fight tapes and stuff. But other people have made the tapes and whatever. I get that. Yeah, I'm also not making money off of that and whatever. So, uh, you know, there's a little, you know, it's, uh, you know, free to air, I guess, whatever. But uh, some people don't like that. But, I mean, I understand. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like... I don't know, and like, and then like I said, hockeyfights.com, you know, you go down their fight cards and they have video attached to it. Well, they just took it from somebody else's YouTube channel. Oh, believe me, those guys don't have any of those fights. I mean, they have the newer stuff from 2010 on or whatever. Yeah, they, they have, they have their stooges recording it and uploading it to their site. Okay, that's their stuff. But all before that, when you go and look at old 80s stuff or 90s stuff, none of that is theirs. They just hot-linked it off of somebody's YouTube channel, which is whatever. But the thing is, what is that? It's, and it's like, well, no, but if you click on this and click on that, it goes to the guy's channel. Yeah, all right, I get it. But at the same time, I mean, I know my stuff's on your site. You never asked me. And then what happened? Like, people go to your site. That drives the numbers to your site. That's what advertisers look at, and that's how you get paid. So ultimately, my videos and everyone else's videos who took the time to upload them, when people look at the fight cards and go and watch those videos, that's driving traffic to your site and views to your site. So you're getting money off of that. So you're making money off my videos that I put on YouTube. So fuck you, you know, without saying where you got them from. That's my point. You know, and that, you know, and again, everyone, oh, who cares, man? You put it on YouTube, and it's just, it's better there. It's all at one space, you know, and no one gives a shit. Well, yeah, because you've never uploaded shit. That's why I said all these people that just, all it is in this world is take, take, take. But I was saying, when I was sitting on the couch there with the wife, I'm watching it, and I don't know what, it was on Facebook. So it was a, it was TikTok? Yeah, it had to be a Facebook reel or TikTok. So all it is is a video of somebody, and it's split screen, and there's a video... Someone else's video, and then this pinhead's just sitting there nodding and pointing, and like he's reacting to the, his video is him reacting to this video. Well, what did you do? Nothing. You just took someone, someone else's TikTok video, or a YouTube video, or someone else's work, uploaded it, then split screen, and you're, and you're fucking lazy ass sitting there nodding, <laughs> pointing at the screen and nodding like, yeah, you know, and it's, it's either some political horse shit that the guy's talking about or it's, or some movie clip or some motivational speaker. Cause you know, cause God knows we can't get motivated on our own. We need someone to, you know, you know, and there are all sorts of Rogan clip or whatever. And they sit there pointing and nodding and, you know, it's just like, you know, when people are all thumbs up and whatever, like you did nothing. All you did was steal, again, you stole someone else's video, stole someone else's work, uploaded it, and then, oh, I'm going to film my reaction to it, and that's how I'm going to build my brand, you know? And I'm looking, and this goof's got, like, I don't know, like 60,000 subscribers, and all he does is sit there and nod, and, you know, and and then after it's done, yeah, he's spitting facts, bro, and that's your video. Oh, okay, well, there you go, you're, yeah, Joe Rogan's spitting facts, or, you know, whatever, just like, uh, oh yeah, nothing, just useless, 
And it's like, I'm a creator. No, you're not. You're just lazy and you're stealing people's shit. You know, I, I mean, I can remember way back when, when I got mad at like Lars Ulrich from Metallica for getting mad at LimeWire. But I, I'm like, on some level, but I, because it's like, how much is enough? But at the same time, I completely get why he was mad. Now, I'm on a completely different level. I mean, I understand that. But you know, just what I'm saying in general, it's like, yeah, they took the time to write these songs, whatever, sell their albums and everything, and that's how they make their money. But now some clown comes along, uploads it on some pirate site, and now all these people just take it for free without ever paying for anything. Oh, I can get why he was mad. And, of course, they're like, oh, he's already rich. He doesn't need more money. Well, that's kind of not the point. It's still, nonetheless, it was stealing. Now, am I saying I never burned any? Of course I burned D- CDs like everyone. I'm just, I'm as guilty as everyone else. But I can get why Lars was mad. You know, at the time, we're like, ah, fuck all rich, ah, you know, but I get it. I get why the movie, t- we're mad at Pirate Bay and all these places for stealing video. Again, I'm not saying, I'm as guilty as anyone for whatever. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, now at the, now when I, I look now and, and I'm a content creator myself, it's like, not that anyone's stealing my podcast. God, no one's that desperate. But I mean, like I said, it's the YouTube videos or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I yeah, I, I mean, I get it. It's just, it's annoying. And it's just, everyone is just take, take, take. And then when they get called out on it, yeah, but, yeah, but. It's the internet, bro. Lighten up. It's like, yeah, okay. Spoken like a true, you know, jack-off that's never created anything. And it's just, it's really annoying. It really is. Um, Probably as annoying as this bit as I've droned on and on about. But at any rate, no, I was just watching these stupid TikTok videos. Yeah, And I'm showing the wife and I'm like, look at this idiot. He's just sitting there pointing at the screen. I can't remember what it was now. I think it was a a Jordan Peterson thing or something. And then afterwards, it's like, yeah, facts. And then it's that's the end of his video. So he sat there, pointed at the screen, or pointed over to the left where the other clip is playing, nodding, and then that's facts at the end. And it's like, oh. and then you go look. That's all this guy's videos are. It's just stealing shit from other people, and it's just like, and with no, and it's just it's just irritating. And that's why I go back to like these podcasts, right? When they have these guests on, they put and. And I'm like, there's even big name podcasts. And it's just like, they, they put no effort into the research. They they might talk about two or three things. Maybe some known incident about everybody and or that everybody knows about. And then that's it. And they don't, it's just, it's just so lazy. And I mean, again, I mean, I guess not every interview I, I understand. And there's time parameters and stuff. And so, I mean, they're not going to get the... Myself or like the Lazito interview where they, you know, they discuss every fight the person's ever been in and, and all that. I mean, I get that. I mean, you know, we go to the extreme the other way, but I mean, it's, I'm just amazed at some of these big shows that interview players and it's just, it's fucking nothing. It's just, it's just garbage interview, but just, but, but people just eat it up, I guess. And they just, and I guess some people like that. They they have a guy on, they talk to him for 25 minutes, and that's the thing. I'm like, I don't know how you can interview. I couldn't do it. I can't even do that. I haven't even got into my, I'm halfway through, I, I have 28 minutes in. I haven't talked about anything yet that's on my list. 
But I mean, I couldn't interview a player for 25 minutes and then that's it. What, what are we going to, I'm going shit, I'm just getting warmed up. We're still talking about minor hockey at 25 minute mark for my interviews. Um, I've had a few guys on that have, di- that did other podcasts and stuff, players. And then when they got onto mine and we start talking, um, and I tell them and they're like, well, they're like, oh, how long's your interview? I'm like, I don't know, at least an hour. And they're like, what? Like, cause every show they've been on has been like half an hour things. You know, they ask him about one thing. Oh, what was it like playing for Swift Current? Okay. Oh, and then you're at Pittsburgh and, you know, and then that's it. Well, I'm going to ask you about Swift Current. What's it like playing against all the dub teams and then the minors? And, you know, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, people that listen to this show know my interviews. But, yeah, like, it's in depth. And, again, I'm not saying my way is the right way and they're wrong. I'm just simply saying when I tell these guys, oh, hour, hour and a half, it's just like, oh, shit. And, of course, some of them get, oh, I, I can't talk that long. I don't have that much to say. I'm like, ah, oh, you will. Don't worry about it. I'll get I'll get us through it. You know, I'll I'll bring up the questions. And then and it's the same thing. I always tell them whenever we're done, there's the two things people always say. One, I can't believe how fast that went. Two, you brought up names I haven't thought of in like 30 years. That's what every one of them has said. So, but anyway, yeah, I'm just warming up at 25 minutes. You know, some of these shows, that's the whole show. And, and then I hear, I read the comments. This is the best hockey podcast ever. The best interview. I'm like, you think a 25 minute, inter- like fluffy interviews, that's the best interview you've ever heard. Like, all right, I guess. But and again, I'm not saying, well, come listen to mine. Cause it's way better. And not my show's the best. I'm not like, again, I'm not trying to sound like that, but it's just like, I don't know. And again, like, I mean, you know, maybe just some interviews have to be that. no. But I mean, I don't know. I would like to think if I'm, if if they're interviewing a player, I'd like to at least get, like timeline it and let, hear about uh, his entire hockey experience of all the places that he played. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, I guess. But that's what I want out of an interview. I don't know a twenty-five minute fluff piece where they ask him about two incidents. That's like, you know, whatever. That's just me. Anyway, but that just shit just bugs me. Like, have some respect for your guest. Know what's going on. And if you're going to use someone else's shit, well, like we went through the, like I went through this earlier this year when Alec actually had that video of the, um, it was, or was it last year? Maybe it was last year. But he actually had fan footage. Like the guy filmed it and said to Alec, yeah, put it on your YouTube channel. And he did. And this one, and then Alec put it on social media, and it it blew up. I think it was Blatchman and Howe, I think, when Howe went over the center ice last year, I believe. I think that's what it was. Anyway, oh, some one of these Facebook groups that's got 200,000, you know, some big Facebook group. Oh, they just go and take Alec's clip and put it on their channel, and, you know, and all of a sudden it's got all these comments, and people are, ah, oh, savage, man, whatever. But they don't give Alec any credit for putting it up there. And Alec called him out on it. And so did I, actually. You know, and and of course, a couple of days later, oh, then they edit it. But, oh, yeah, we got it from Five for Fighting Podcast, whatever. But it's just like, do you really, like, that was just the, my whole point. Like, why, why are you, like, all you had to do was get a hold of Alec and say, hey, can we put your thing on, on our channel? Because it's cool or whatever. Like, Alec would have said, yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever. But it's like, but no, you just got to steal it. You know, and then, I don't know, it's just, it's such bullshit. Like, and like some of these big, these big groups, that's what, it, that's all they rely on. Well, that's Spit and Chicklets way back when. They just stole everyone's content back then. 
until they got going with Whitney and all them. But I mean, before that, they were just content thieves. And they'd slap it up and slap their logo on it. And since they're barstool and they're bigger than everyone else, well, then people just accept like it came from them or something. And it's like, no. And I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these Facebook pages and Instagram, big Instagram channels, all they do is take other people's shit. But since, you know, since they have a hundred thousand more like followers, you, the little guy just gets stomped on and there you go. And these guys just go on their merry way and they slap their watermark on it and act like it's theirs. And it's just greasy as shit. And I don't understand why people have to be like that, but they do. And I don't know, people, and like I said, people that aren't in the business or don't create things, whether it be a podcast or blogging or whatever, don't care because they just want to go there and get it all. And they, they want the one-stop shop and uh, they don't give a shit that they got three clips from three different places and a bunch of pictures from someone else and whatever they don't care yeah because they've never created anything so no anyway sorry to vent here guys it's just been a it was just a really irritating topic to me here the last couple days and and i've seen some of these big channels and whatever and you know and everybody likes to act like oh they're these guys are so great and everything else it's like nah you're just a bunch of fucking thieves and now here's a word from our sponsor light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings sportsbook Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Yeah, guys. I mean, Edmonton, odds on favorite right now at the DraftKings Sportsbook, plus 425 to win the cup. They have a lot of player props. Who's going to lead this ser- each series in scoring? Austin Matthews, McDavid. Check it out. All the player props are there for the series as well as games. In-game action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can make $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. But let's get into my week on the internet. Well, that was one, I guess that was part of the my week on the internet. Um, as I say, uh, well, it wasn't actually on Twitter this time. It was as I was bouncing around, uh, yeah, Facebook, um, in these Facebook groups and, and what have you. Um, somebody had put up an article. It was called The Toughest Hockey Players in NHL History. Um, and it's a terror. I think I actually, I covered this on one of my things when I was doing one of my list episodes. I think I did this list. Yeah, because it's atrocious. Anyway, um, all these people are commenting and, um, <laughs> well, there was actually two guys. That I kind of like just what, you know, um, somebody puts up, uh, Jim McKenzie of the Hartford Whalers. Well, he would not be wrong. Jim McKenzie was one of the toughest players in NHL history. One of the best fighters of all time. And, um, I think it kind of goes under the radar for a few people, but yeah, McKenzie was a killer. So, so of course, all oh, here they come. Old Anthony here. Probert would kill McKenzie. And so would Joe Koser. Oh Yeah. Like, I just had to, like, uh, I'm, like, just, uh, well, they fought. I think McKenzie and Probert fought three or four times. Probert never killed them. I'm not saying McKenzie killed Probert either, but it was, like, there was no killing going on. But that's just how buffoonish these guys. And, of course, you click on the guy's thing. Oh, what a shock. He's from Michigan. Oh, so, of course, the Probert fanboys are out in full force. And these other guys are, yeah, preach, bro, and all this. And I'm just, like... I'm like, give it a rest. Go hit YouTube and watch some footage. 
Like, I just, like, you're, for such, for being such huge Probert fans, do you not know that he fought McKenzie a bunch of times? Well, I'm answering my own question. Clearly you don't, but just these bozos that just, I hate kill him. It wouldn't even be close. It's Bobby and nobody else. Like, just shut up. And I hate having to talk like this because then it, oh, oh, you're a Probert hater. No, No, I'm not at all. Probert's like my favorite fucking guy. But it's just these fanboys. I just you guys are morons, and it's just there's no talking to them. And I'm like, and somebody else goes, "Oh, he sounds like a McKenzie hater." I'm like, hey, it's not about hating. He's just embarrassing. He's just another big mouth that. Well, and it's one thing if you're gonna if you're gonna sit there and flap your lips and whatever, have something to back it up. Like if you're gonna say shit. So of course, all he say, all he does in my reply is he just he goes yeah whatever, and then he puts a little like a laughing emoji. Well, okay, but you're a goof, buddy. So whatever. And then the next guy, of course, oh Gordy Howe. End of discussion. I, I love these clowns that just have to <laughs> like that's just it. Yeah, okay, old you know old Steve here. That's just it's Gordy and that's it. Oh, okay. Oh, and then a bunch of guys start in there and like, uh, you know, oh, and then as somebody said, well, he didn't fight that much. Probert hands down as number one, whatever, as a fighter. And then this guy, Probert was a great fighter, but Mr. Howe was the toughest man to ever play. 52 years old and he finally hung him up. There's no, there's no other answer. No disrespect to anyone else. Well, I mean, that's one thing. This guy wasn't swearing or acting, whatever, but it was just like, like, no, <laughs> it's, uh, they kind of went back and forth. And of course, and of course we're talking about Gordie Howe. So what fight do we have to bring up? It's the only fight anyone ever talks about with Gordie Howe. You know where I'm going with this. Um, of course this guy replies, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking more about toughness than pure fighting ability. Although I would take Mr. Howe in his prime over anyone. Oh God. Yeah. Gordy's going to beat Peruby and. Twist and Probert and okay and Bugard and LaRock. Yeah, sure he will. Yeah. In his prime. Lou Fontenotto found out the hard way why everyone steered clear of Gordy. John Ferguson would never mess with Gordy and he was solid. Probert could throw him for sure. Gordy is probably the only guy I'd take over Probert. Uh, or Dave Brown. Like, okay. So I replied, I'm like, okay, well, why, why would Ferguson steer, steer, steer clear of Gordy Howe? Fergie said Gordy could beat you any way you wanted. He also said that he would have loved to have punched for, punched Gordy for spring as goalie, but knew better. That's good enough for me. What, <laughs> what fantasy land are you living in? Again, what color is the sky in your world? You know, puff, puff, pass, man. What are you talking about? John Ferguson was scared of Gordie Howe. Yeah, well, he wasn't. It's just like, you know, and then a couple other guys are talking and oh, nobody ever messed with him, even in the WHA. Do you want to know why no one messed with Gordie Howe in the WHA? Because he was fucking 50. No, no one, that's a geriatric. Like, you seriously think like Gord, Machine Gun Gallant, Jack Carlson, you know, Billado. Claxon, all these guys, Cam Connor. Oh yeah, they were just terrified. These 20-somethings, just right out of junior, the wild 70s Western Hockey League or OHL, down in the bus leagues and everything else. These guys were friggin' animals. 
killers. They get to the WHA. You think they're scared of a 47-year-old Gordie Howe? Are you high? I love that one. Oh, Gordie intimidated everybody. No, he didn't. They were just, as Rick Dudley said one time, why am I, I can't fight a 50-year-old. That's Rick Dudley. You don't think Jack Carlson would have fucking picked his teeth with a 48-year-old Gordie Howe? Like, are you serious? Like Cam Connor and these guys? Like Gord Machine Gun Gallant. Oh yeah, I'm sure he was terrified of 49-year-old Houston Arrows Gordie Howe. Like, give it a rest. Like these, again, the fact that Howe was playing and putting up the numbers, you know, a couple hundred point seasons as a 47, 48-year-old, she kind of, you know, might say about the talent level of the Western WHA as well. But I mean, um, although he's a pointed guy at 50 with the Whalers. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why he's a Hall of Fame and talked about one of the greatest players of all time. In terms of the scoring and stuff and whatever, he was dirty as shit. I always laugh these same lo- clowns that love to yell about the code and everything else. Uh, yeah, they're, you know, the, Gordy would make him cry with the shit that he pulled. Even his own kids were like, uh, it wasn't really so much that they were feared as toughness. They just didn't want to stick in the face. Because how would have t- done it? Would have cross-checked in the face, elbowed you in the lips. Didn't care. It was dirty as shit. I mean, he's, you know, he's not fighting at 48 years old. But I just love the fact that these people really legitimately think that these young, tough guys that were, like, fighting every, fighting each other every night, trying to make names for themselves and sign long-term deals in the WHA or the NHL, are are just are terrified of of Mr. Hockey like oh god I love these guys and like just delusional this is certainly one of the myths and realities that we're going to talk about in that future episode and again I've talked about Gordie Howe's fighting ability being greatly exaggerated over the years um I'm going to bring Steve on we've talked about this he's gone done the research on newspapers.com Back to the night, the next day after the fight, how had and read newspaper accounts of it because I mean, there's no video, obviously. So, and I mean, and it paints a real different picture. There's a few Fern Flamin, Reg Fleming, they all had they all downplayed Howe's fighting ability. They were like, you know, not really, he wasn't uh, nothing to be scared of, and shit like that. You know, um, again, I'm not trying to, and every time you bring this up, it's like, you're are you disrespecting Gordy? No. But I'm just saying, like this, everyone acts like these these how guys. The only fight they can ever talk about is Fontenato, and even that fight has been greatly exaggerated over the years. I mean, it was a good fight, but Fontenato did quite well in the fight too. Everybody talks like it was just some one sided beating. It wasn't. If you go and actually read the actual newspaper accounts the next day, it wasn't. Um, or he broke his nose. Well, you know, guys have had their noses broken a million times. That doesn't mean anything. But I would say the worst thing Lou did was get that picture in Life Magazine with his nose bandaged up. But yeah, it's just on and on with how it's just like, come on, but whatever. And I mean, he had like 22 fights in his career. You know, a guy played 25 years or whatever. So it's like he fight a year. Like, I I always think, somebody mentioned this before and I completely agree. Whenever it's a, whenever people talk about the fight, the fighting ability of, Star players gets always gets great greatly seems to always get greatly um, exaggerated. I don't know what it is, but it's just if it's a star player right away, it's like the thing with Larry Robinson or with Bobby Orr or what have you. Oh yeah, they were feared. 
Like, no, nobody wanted to mess with them. Yeah, they all wanted to mess with them because you'd get them off the ice for five minutes. <laughs> so, oh, they backed down from Bobby Orr. No, they didn't. They would love to get Bobby Orr off the ice for five minutes. You know, like, you think Schultz and these guys, oh, yeah, they, they didn't want a piece of Bobby. Well, come on. Like, just, what are we doing? <laughs> like, just, and again, it's not a knock of Bobby Orr or any of these guys. But it's just like, no, Stop. Enforcers, like guys that were actually there to fight and enforce, are not intimidated by star players. Stop. Just stop. The truth is good enough. That's why I say the truth is good enough. All right, back. Pause, pause, stop, stop. Um, Yeah, well, I'll get off of that. Um, The other one, just, well, real quick before we get into I'm already 40 minutes in. I haven't done the player spotlight yet. Um... The other one, somebody put up a picture of Brad May and Troy Millette, uh, who had quite the rivalry, and Millette's down. It was the first, and, and May's like, oh, giving him, May gave him an extra shot while he was already down on the ice and whatever. Um, and somebody just put the picture up. It wasn't the video, just the picture. There was a bunch of comments, and, um, well, Danny, uh, I know he brought up, I don't know why people are happy about people getting punched in the face when they're unconscious, stuff like that, and, of course, the other people are, oh, that's old-time hockey and whatever and all that. Um, thing is, when you have a picture like that it, um, and then the comments and stuff, it's like no one ever bothers to, like, you know, the context, uh, the context of the picture. Like, no one investigated, like, what went on and why May did that. And, like, the guy, he dropped the guy, and then you figure he's just going to punch him while he's down again while he's out um, for no reason. Well, there was a reason. Millette had elbowed Pat LaFontaine in the in the head when LaFontaine was already at a broken jaw from the McCowan thing and May was seeking retribution for that. And and back then, it's like, it was not, hey, let's have a, a, a solid, you know, there was no code and let's have a fair square off. And it, no, you were sticking up for your captain and your best player and your Hall of Famer. You're, you're going to take the motherfucker out. That's what it was. And that's what May did. And I will say with May, in all, to be to go to the other side of that, uh, May was a bad dude, man, and he didn't give a shit, and he would punch you when you were down. Uh, he did that with Baumgartner when he caught Cannon, put him down, he hit him again. I mean, May was, he did not give a shit, and he was inflicting damage. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's exactly, in my opinion, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Is ain't this any game of tiddlywinks and good luck bro and bum hug, bum taps? The code? Uh, no, it was nothing like that. May never, no, <laughs> no. So I had no problem with it. Um, and of course, Hero has to come on and say, oh, real, real enforcer squared up. Oh, yeah. And I was like, squaring off has nothing to do with enforcing was my only reply. That's all I put. And of course, oh, some guy that goes by incognito or whatever has got to chime in. Then you clearly don't know anything, and yeah, and you're you're what some you're a pussy or something, and that that's exactly what enforcing is. It's like no, that's not what enforcing is at all, dumb shit. Or you clearly never played the role. Oh yeah, here yeah, Mister Killer here is you never played the role. Meanwhile, it's some egg with an incognito name. That's his name, Guy Incognito. Yeah, with a egg. Yeah, but he's telling me all about it. the enforcing role, and he knows. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, so Dave Brown, Semenko, all the, yeah, that was just, 
Yeah, they didn't know anything about enforcing. Okay, buddy. Because they were all big about... Semenko was real big about squaring off. Yeah, okay. That's like how brainwashed this next generation is, I guess. Or, or like I said, revisionist history or this idea that, oh, it, it they're honorable warriors and we square off. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, that isn't enforcing. That's just... that I laugh because that's just staged fighting. The exact thing you guys all cry about is the exact thing you go on and on about how much you love. And on one breath and in the other breath, I hate when I do staged fights. The fights have to mean something and all this horse shit. And I was like, oh yeah. It's like, oh yeah, right. Meanwhile, it's all you talk about squaring off and honorable enforcers and everything else. So yeah, it just struck me funny though. But apparently, so I, I've clearly never done the role and know nothing about what I'm talking about. Yeah, if you're going to be a true enforcer, square off. Okay. So, there we go. That's my week on the internet. Good times. If you happen to be on the internet, I don't know why you are, but on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Facebook as well as Twitter. Um, oh, Twitter just sucks. The Twitter's gone so far downhill. I don't know. My Twitter just acts goofy. Uh, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just, yeah, it's doing weird shit. Um, anybody says it's not, it's full of shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's just, the engagement's just lacking and it's just, I mean, you used to put a picture up or whatever and you have, you have a good conversation. You have six or seven guys replying and guys talking about whatever. Now shit, you put something up against two likes and a, a retweet. It's like, there's just nothing going on in there. I think people are just leaving the, leaving the uh, platform left and right. Um, Facebook's a lot better in terms of comments and stuff. Or in terms of engagement, I shouldn't say the comments are even better, but the engagement, we'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, if you happen to be on there, check it out. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Let's face it, with coffee starting at 5 bucks, yes, even without the customizations, and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we're officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently, solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate, or dupe, is critical for getting the highest quality at the best price. And one dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Everywhere you turn, people have earbuds in. And they're always talking about, oh, I lost this one, I lost that one, you wouldn't believe how much it cost me. Well... Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer a buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a couple bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat-fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. That's right, guys. Eight hours of playtime on these things. And they actually, with the gel tips, they actually fit into most ears. I know I always have difficulty with that, and they fit into mine perfectly. Um, and the sound, tremendous. So right now, go buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.slash THPN. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. But let's uh, let's get into this player spotlight, shall we? Um, here we go. Um, 
Today's player spotlight is none other than Steve McIntyre. And, uh, yes, and, and I've actually had Big Mac on the show way, you gotta, now this, you gotta, you'll get carpal tunnel scrolling this thing. Uh, episode eight. There you go. Actually, I had Steve on way before that on my original platform, fourthlinevoice.com. And then when it went down and whatever, and I got on the network, one of the things I decided to do initially when I was doing two episodes, Wednesday would be my like original show, like where I'd interview a player or do this or whatever. And then Sunday I would, I called it uh, from the vault. And what I did is I took my player interviews off of my old platform and re-uploaded them because I, I, I wanted those to still be out there. So I still have the sound files for. I still have the MP3s and stuff. So um, thankfully, I kept them. I didn't erase them. Um, so I uploaded that, and, and Steve's was one of them. So if you want to hear my interview with Steve McIntyre, we cover his entire career. It's about an hour and a half. Um, it is episode eight. On uh, yeah, so go back and check that out. It was and Steve was a great interview. We talk about obviously a bunch of these fights that that I'm going to talk about here. Uh, but we, you know, again, we talk about you know growing up in, in Saskatchewan, playing for the Saskatoon Contacts. That's where I first met Steve when he was 15, playing with the Contacts. My brother played. You know, my brother played together. Uh, then he went on to the Western Hockey League and uh, etc. And you know the rest of the story. But um, yeah, so I had him on and uh, it was a great interview. And I'm actually looking to have him on um, again. It's, and uh, him and I have gone back and forth about it. So it should be uh, probably maybe sometime this summer. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll get it on there. So, um, but one of the things I wanted to I, I wanted to do a, obviously a player spotlight um, because I think sometimes people and again I'm not saying this is a slight to Steve or anything else, but I think people. Um, just kind of mistake that they think he played for a lot longer in the NHL than he did. Um, and when you go back, like I said, when you go back and look at his final totals, uh, he played 91 career games. He had, uh, four points, 175 minutes, and he had 22 tilts. So, and again, I think people, and that's including preseason. So I think, um, yeah, I think there's just like, but he played the minors for a bunch of years, the American League, East Coast League, that type of thing. But yeah, he, um, his NHL time was 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 kind of limited, but uh, let's go through his. Uh, we're just going to kind of do his NHL fights because I mean, you know, we could be here all day. Um, uh, you know, if we did his entire fight card, but um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll start in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, he is uh, playing with the uh, Edmonton Oilers, and. Uh, and uh, as I said, he's a Saskatchewan guy from Brock, Saskatchewan, six six two fifty, and uh, yeah, that's a he's a he's a big dude, man. And uh, yeah, but uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine was when we first see him in an NHL uniform, and it's with the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, his his um, his first fight is October third. It's a preseason fight with uh, Calgary Flames Jim Vandermeer. Um, interestingly enough, uh, him and Vandermeer would have been teammates. When McIntyre played in Red Deer in the Western League for for a brief uh, for a minute, and uh, so, but yeah, it's um, yeah they start they square off Vandermeer they kind of they actually kind of square off for a little while and they both kind of put their hands up like okay let's go come on, and um, 
Actually, Van and Jim Vandermeer. There's another dude. Go to I, there's another player spotlight I should do. The Vandermeers are just tough in general, that whole family. But Jim Vandermeer was in some slugfests, and uh, he starts off strong with this. He lands a few rights, and then uh, and then McIntyre's um, throwing lefts, and uh, that's the one thing going down the rabbit hole. Like I said, I've known him since he was a kid and watched all of his fights. But like I said, I always say this, but it's true. Like all the fights kind of run together after a while, and you're you know you. The greatest hits stand out in your mind, but you know when I for for me anyway, I've seen thousands and thousands of fights and have millions of DVDs, and so everything sort of gets convoluted after a while. But um, is that the right word there? Convoluted? I don't know. But it was it all gets mashed together. We'll put it that way. So I forget. So it's it's nice when I doing these player spotlights. I enjoy doing them just because I can get to revisit them. And uh, and then again, there's a bunch of fights. Um, like coming up here, his fight with McGrath, and I, I don't remember ever seeing that, and I'm glad I saw it because it was awesome. Um, so I, if I did see it, I completely forgot about it. But yeah, so going down these rabbit holes has been uh, has been fun. Uh, I hope it's well. I mean, the feedback I've gotten from the other spotlights that I've done, it's been positive. So, uh, which is why I keep doing them. But it's it's also been fun for me. So, um, and this is one of them. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed doing the McIntyre one here, but. Um, the one, and the one thing I found with Steve is I didn't realize he was, he threw so many lefts, um, really good at switching hands. And, um, I mean, obviously I would have talked about it in the interview. I mean, you know, but once I go back and revisit it, I forget, I, sh- I guess I should say, I forgot how good he was with his left hand and he does some, he does this really cool like body shot and he kind of does this uppercut. And then as the guy sort of is defending the uppercut or reacting to it, he comes over the top with this counter, kind of this right hook. Uh, and you, if you watch a bunch of his fights, you'll see him do it a lot. And it's, uh, and then he switches back to the left and he, and it's really seamless how he switches. It's, it's pretty, it's good. And, and you see, and just how bloody strong he is. Like he just, uh, like you could just see him pushing guys around and, uh, yeah, just a real strong dude. And I mean, he, he, the fight with Bugard, he pushes him up against the, like they, he moves him away from, you know, uh, the center basically and just pushes him around the ice and pushes him up against the boards and it's like you can just see how strong he is and uh but yeah so with the Vandermeer one um yeah he kind of just uh they're kind of Vandy gets going with the left and uh and McIntyre when he kind of stre- finally can separate and kind of stretch out and he finds the range with his right um he kind of catches Vandermeer and they and and puts him down um yeah re- looked real solid real solid in this fight um, his next one's, uh, his first regular season fights, October 18th. It's in Edmonton, um, against Calgary again. Um, brand against Brandon Prust. Uh, McIntyre crushes Dustin Boyd in the corner. The nice hit, good clean hit. And that's the one thing with McIntyre, like, uh, for as big as he is, really good. He was a good skater, solid, looks smooth, which is, um, rare for a guy that big with long legs like that they usually look real like chara look really gangly like chara was obviously a good skater hall of fame talent but you know what i mean they when you're that big though and you're all limbs you you know you you look gangly uh it looks like the you know the baby giraffe just trying to walk for the first time i mean they could all they can move and whatever and you're fast but it just it looks you don't look smooth mcintyre looks smooth for as big as he was mcintyre was the smooth skater as i've been told by Someone listening out there. Actually, I've been told by a few guys that, but it's like, yeah, he was really, he was solid skater, but yeah, so a big dude. And I mean, 
guy that big, 260, can move like that, and he, when he lays the body in on you, yeah, you'll feel it. And Boyd was feeling this hit. And Prust, to his credit, comes right in. Um, uh, you know, Prust right away sneaks, gets inside, gets some couple, couple shots. Um, but then, yeah, McIntyre just kind of takes over, starts landing the lefts and, uh, you know, and, and that's about it. But, uh, you know, it wasn't much of a fight or anything, but full, full marks to Prust. Prust was a really smart fighter though. Like even when McIntyre has him kind of strung out, you can see him kind of, he's really defensive and really protects his head and, you know, he turns away from it and, uh, yeah, so, so McIntyre is looking solid here in his first, uh, first, uh, first couple games with the Oilers. Um, uh, then they're in Vancouver and, uh, this one actually made me laugh. Um, he fights this Rob Davison. It, it's not much of a fight. They just, Davison kind of grabs him and, uh, um, and they just fall over. But, uh, the, the funny thing that starts it is McIntyre hits, uh, Matias Olin. And if you watch the fight, uh, like they'll show the replay of what got it started. He drills Olin along the boards and oh, the puck is long gone and McIntyre smacks him. Um, and it's just, you, know, you can see Olin feeling it too. He kind of wobbles and finally goes down, but, um, like he didn't injure him, but like you could just imagine any, you know, shoulder down, like he didn't hit him in the head or anything, but it's just a real solid shot along the boards and, uh, you know, the puck's nowhere near it. And to his credit, Davison goes in because, hey, you hit my star guy. And um, they don't really fight. They just fall down right away. But it was like, if you go watch, the funny thing to me was that was the hit on Olin, just how late it was. Um, his next fight is against Riley Cote. Uh, again, former teammates. They would have played in Prince Albert together. Um, yeah, they square off. Um, and then uh, Cote gets in there. Or, yeah, Riley Cote gets in there first. And... Uh, then McIntyre starts with the lefts and, uh, and Kote gets in tight and, uh, Mac starts really going to the body and he, he does that a lot in his fights and, uh, you know, and, and, but Kote's still, Kote's still in there and, uh, and he, and he's in tight, but he's, he's landed some good shots and you can see McIntyre's working his arm in and it's funny how you can see him. He gets his, again, all these fights are on YouTube, so please go to YouTube and watch, follow along and you'll see what I'm talking about. But you'll see McIntyre kind of always gets his arm between him and the guy and almost shoves them off. Like he's, he's really working on getting separation. And, um, yeah, when he, when he, uh, when he gets a good, when he gets separation, he hits Kote with a couple good ones. But Kote takes it, um, you know, solid fight. I mean, if you want to give McIntyre the win, whatever. But no, it was a real good tilt both ways. Um, you know, solid showing for both guys. Um, the next fight, this is a tough, this is a tough one for Mac. Uh, he's in Pittsburgh against Eric Goddard. Um, and yeah, um, right away they, they grab on. And the thing is, is, you know, uh, with Goddard is they got, you know, Mac six, six Goddard six, four. So there isn't that much of a difference. So, so big Mac can't really string him out like he can with the smaller guys, like a Prust. And he, like, I mean, he tries, but Goddard's arms are long enough. And Goddard just, yeah, he just really catches him. And, um, you know, he finds the right, he's just four straight rights. And he, and he just, yeah, he buckles Mac. Mac kind of buckles. He stands back up, but the refs break it up. But yeah, McIntyre was feeling it. And, uh, yeah, Goddard, oh boy, that's a bad dude, man. When, when Eric Goddard was motivated and fighting, that's always what I say about Goddard. If there was ever a kryptonite, which wasn't many, but if there was a, any kryptonite in his game, 
Um, when it was big name guys or other heavyweight fighters, Goddard was right there and was a killer. But when he, and I don't mean it in this way, but for the exercise, work with me, but when he would fight kind of a lesser guy or a guy you'd think, oh, he's going to smoke him, the fights were always like even, you know, and Goddard never really looked that, just that involved or that impressed. I'd love to ask, I'd love to sit and talk with, I'd love to have Goddard on the show. Um, but I'd love to ask him about that. Was it just a mindset thing or it's not like he got smoked or anything, but it was just like, oh, it's like, oh, he's going to kill this guy. And then it was like, oh, it was kind of even actually, like, it's kind of weird or he just sort of control him and he'd land a few, but it would be like, eh, but when he had to fight a McIntyre or a McGratton or a, or a Bugard or whatever, it was like prime time Goddard. Like he got himself up for it. And he like, he has like a winning record against like other elite guys, you know, and it's just like. Yeah, and this was one of them. So, yeah. And then the next one, Jan- and then that was November 6th. Uh, McIntyre's next fight's January 30th. And it's, yeah, yeah, it doesn't get any easier. It's actually against Derek Bugard. And, um, yeah, this one, I mean, they get in close. I mean, they're both sort of respecting the length. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a lot of in close back and forth. Um, whatever. I don't know if I'd give either of them. I've, I couldn't give either of them a win. It was just one of those, they went back and forth. It wasn't much of a fight actually, but I think both were definitely wary. Um, but yeah, but you could see how strong McIntyre is in these fights. But, uh, yeah. Um, the next one, I guess another big guy who's like Kochi, David Kochi, who I think is actually the same size. Um, this is where you watch the fight and McIntyre is like kind of all over him and just switch into the left and to the right. And it's pretty effortless how he's doing it. Um, you know, he, he kind of controls it. Um, coach, he kind of comes on at the end and McIntyre kind of goes down, but it was kind of like a momentum takedown. Um, I'd give McIntyre the win in this, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, uh, you know, seven fights in his first year out of the gate. Um, you know, the Goddard loss is a tough one, but other than that, um, you know, a couple KO wins, uh, or TKO, I guess you could say, but yeah, real strong showing in his, in his first, uh, first season in the NHL. Um, so you go into the 2009, 2010 season. Um, this is the year he ends up in Florida, but he starts the year in Edmonton. Um, he has two, um, preseason fights with Joel Reckless and Reckers, you know, Wrecker, Wrecker's uh, awesome. He's, he's, man, he was good. Joel Reckless. That's a rabbit hole. He should definitely go down. Um, you know, had, had a brief NHL run, but his American League stuff is just outstanding. And, um, yeah, their first preseason, preseason fight. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's tight. It's along the glass. Uh, Wrecker's throwing lefts. Uh, Max kind of turning away. Um, and again, he's working his arm in, working his arm in. He finally separates. He starts throwing lefts. He pops Wrecker's helmet off. They get in tight. Um, both, actually, both guys land some good ones. Um, McIntyre lands a real uh, solid right at the end. Um, but yeah, just a real solid back and forth. I mean, McIntyre probably landed, landed the strongest shots, but Wrecker was right with him. Tremendous. Um, a couple nights later, this was actually really funny. They play again, but it was a, again, it's a preseason game, uh, records with the Islanders, but it was a neutral site game and it was here in Saskatoon. And, um, yeah, again, uh, you know, you knew McIntyre, he'd be fired up for this one being in his hometown. So, you know, he had family and friends there. So, 
Um, yeah, again, you know, they, you know, they, they, uh, they square off. Um, and early on, uh, McIntyre managed to like kind of keep it separated. And, uh, yeah, it's all McIntyre. Like he's all over Wrecker dropping rights on him and, uh, looking really strong. And, uh, you know, and then, and then Wrecker brings it in finally as, and they're going for a while. And then Wrecker kind of gets it in tight and, uh, he gets the left going and it's just, uh, you know, what, what started out as what was looking like a landslide victory for McIntyre record kind of makes a comeback and kind of evens it up. And, uh, but just a real, real strong fight. They went for a long time. Both guys were gassed. Um, but great showing. Um, I know on drop your gloves, they got McIntyre with the win. Um, yeah, probably, but, uh, uh, it was looking real bad for record to begin with, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, he made a comeback at the end. Um, the next fight I would say is probably like outside of the knockouts or whatever, but as far as a, a, a top heavyweight toe to toe bout, I would say this is McIntyre's best fight in the NHL, uh, best whatever back and forth is this, uh, with Brian McGratton. This is a great fight. Um, yeah, it's just the Jersey jabs, the body shot. Um, and, and it's funny. You can, when, when you watch this fight, I, I implore you to watch this fight. McIntyre starts off strong. He's got the body shots and he's, and he's, uh, he, he's throwing some solid rights and watch when, right when McIntyre tries to switch to his left, it's like McGratton was waiting for it. And then McGratton just takes over and, uh, and he, and McGratton's landing some hard rights and then he gets in tight and McIntyre's kind of got, or McIntyre kind of grabs him in tight. And McIntyre's got his right hand, and it's over the back of McGratton, and right behind his neck of the top of his collar, kind of right where his nameplate would be. He's holding there, and he's trying to get a hold of McGratton. He's trying to control him, and he can't. And uh, he doesn't have his arm tied. And McGratton lands like an uppercut and catches him, and then like five really hard rights. And... uh Mac doesn't go down, but you can see he's, he's feeling it. And, uh, but this is where you can see the strength of, of McIntyre because he basically like grabs McGratton and he's trying to like control him. Like, you know, I got to tie this guy's arm up, but he like just bull rushes him into the boards and, um, and then McIntyre lands a real, real couple hard lefts, but, uh, and then they break it up. But this is a really great fight, but watch right at the start. McIntyre hits that Jersey jab. And then he starts hitting him with rights, and it's like, oh, he's starting off fast, and McGratton's kind of weathering the storm, taking a couple. But yeah, watch when, and it's, it, I swear, and this is where, I always call it the art, it's, yeah, it literally is, like, it's just the, the art of hockey fighting. And, uh, and this was it. And you could see McGratton, as soon as McIntyre's switching up, he was like, he was waiting for it. And that's when he starts his offense. And it, it, it's impressive. It really is. And it's, it's an art form and, uh, yeah, great fight. Um, but this, unfortunately, for whatever reason was McIntyre's last fight with the Oilers, uh, for, well, until he gets brought, you know, traded and comes back. But, um, at that point he gets sent down to the minors and, um, and Florida picks him up on waivers and, uh, he is in the American league. He's playing with Rochester at the time. And the one fight that he has that I will cover is he fights Morasti, um, 
when Morasti's at Syracuse and he's in Rochester and it's a line, kind of a line scrum and Morasti right away comes in and hits him and shoves him and was like, let's go, let's go. And Morasti throws all his shit off. And McIntyre's standing there still with his stick and he's sort of looking around and like whatever and you can hear the crowds getting into it. And Morasti rips off his helmet and throws it down. And he's standing there like, let's go, let's go. And McIntyre kind of spears at him a little bit and he's kind of messing with him. But finally McIntyre drops his shit. But he drops his gloves. He doesn't take his helmet off. But right away Morasti gets in there on him. And of course, the size difference is laughable really. But Morasti plays it smart and he, and he gets in there and he's, um, and he's and he's punching up and um you know it's a typical morasty fighting the giant right and uh and McIntyre's punching down and kind of controlling it and uh um but yeah it's a it's a solid bout i got you know really i mean um i wouldn't say morasty won nor should he win against a guy that big but he definitely it's Morasti's just got that technique because the, the size with that size difference, you think Morat like McIntyre, if you stretched him out, like you know, Morasti would never be able to reach him. But Morasti hung in tight and just did the you know, but McIntyre's punching downhill, of course, and uh landed some real good shots on Morasti. But Morasti's right in there with him. Um, I wouldn't give John the win by any means because McIntyre did control it where they went, but. Um, yeah, but just, you know, with, like I said, with that size difference, the fact that he was even, um, competitive says something about how good Morasti is and how strong John is too, because obviously McIntyre is the size that he is and as strong as he is. Um, but he wasn't pushing Morasti around the ice. So, uh, you could tell how strong John was too, to be able to get in tight like that. Um, yeah, really solid fight. There's actually some, uh, some really good, um, well, I guess it's actually filmed uh, with, uh, well, I was going to say camcorder. It's probably 2009. Yeah, it might be camcorder. It might be cell phone footage. But, uh, yeah, it's like fan footage. But, uh, but so whoever it was, thank you for recording that. But, uh, yeah, just a real, two big, like, kind of minor league, kind of legendary minor league names going at it. And, uh, you know, good tilt. But, uh, but Morasti, or Morasti, but, uh, McIntyre get geez, I was gonna say Booger. McIntyre finally gets called up to Florida. It's November twenty fifth. It's in Florida's fight with uh with Brashear. Um This is an interesting fight. They um Yeah, it's it's typical Brashear fight. It's in tight and it's kinda of side of the head shots and him and McIntyre McIntyre is firing back. Um but once again, work it, work it, work it. He finally kind of gets separation and um it's 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 an interesting it's a left to the body and you can watch the replay when he not just the fight but watch the replay because they slow it down yeah he catches he catches brash in the ribs and brash goes down to one knee he gets up but yeah i mean you could he felt that body shot so for anybody that says those are useless um, clearly he didn't he caught him where the you know there was no protection and uh brash felt it because he uh kind of goes to one knee and that's the end of it but uh yeah, again, back and forth fight. Um, you know, typical kind of a brushier style fight, but uh but uh yeah, Mac kinda got him at the end with the body shot. Um next fight's against Colt Noor. Um they square off. Um actually McIntyre hits him with like a this left jab, like a boxer, real sharp jab. Um uh Orr comes in, he's landing, so McIntyre kind of switches to the left. Um, and as soon as he switches up and he catches, he crosses or up and he lands a, a, an uppercut 
and then um, and then three more lefts and Orr goes down. Um, this is a real strong showing for Mac. Um, he's looking, you know, first you got the Brashear, and then you got the Colton Orr win. Um, but yeah, he uh, the when he crossed Orr up, you could see uh, Orr kind of get you know uh, stunned for a second, and, and McIntyre really comes on. Um, unfortunately, at that point, he gets sent back to Rochester. Um, but two really interesting fights from this. One's against Grant McNeil um, of Hershey. And um, same thing, McIntyre lands that left jab again. Um, then they kind of both start landing and McIntyre switches. And uh, it, and it's it's a fan video, so it's hard to tell what the angle. But it looks like he catches McNeil and McNeil kind of does a, goes down. It's kind of a TKO. But you see McNeil get up and he's kind of smiling. He's clapping, kind of getting the fans into it. So I don't think McIntyre, I don't think it caught fully, but it it, it looked good. We'll put it that way. But that's a big name. And then the next one, the next fight was against Jeremy Yablonski. And uh, at this point in the 09-2010 season, Yablonski's with Binghamton with the Senators. And he had been on a real roll that year. He had looked really strong in all his fights. He had dropped a bunch of guys. And he was on a real roll. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they square off. They pop their helmets off. Um, Yabo's lining up left-handed. And he charges in right away. And, um, you know, up against the glass. But McIntyre manages to kind of separate. And he lands three hard rights and puts, he drops Yablonski who has trouble getting up, like teammates have to help him up, like it's strong. And I mean, you know, that didn't happen very often to Yablonski. You think back to some of the shots that he took over the years. So Mac just caught him in the right spot in the temple and and put him down. So two real strong showings when he got sent back down, of course. um, uh, And then he gets brought back up with Florida and he ends up fighting Wade Belak, which I know he talks about in the interview. Um, I think Pilot cr- actually cracks his helmet, I think he said. But, uh, this one Wade was Nashville. And, um, y- yeah, I mean, they're, it's actually, it's interesting. They're, they both start off throwing lefts. And then McIntyre again switches up, lands a really, kind of that, that really good uppercut. Um, and, and then, uh, and then that right cross that he, that he gets going. And, uh, yeah, and, and Bilak goes down. Um, Again, that it it was like he lands the right cross. They kind of wrestle. He throws another right. He misses though, and then I think it's like a momentum takedown. It wasn't from the punch, but because Bilak gets up right away and everything. When you watch the replay, he misses when the punch that he throws when they go down. He missed on so, but so it was a momentum thing. But yeah, he looked real strong. They were they start off both really hitting each other, uh, but again he switches over in that body that uppercut right cross kind of combo thing that he's got going. Again, if you when you go down the rabbit hole, if you I again I I, I hope you do. Uh, when you go down and watch these fights, you'll see what I mean when he does it. Watch when he throws the uppercut, what he comes back with. It's like this over the top right cross every time, and uh, yeah, it's strong. But uh, yeah, again, really strong fight season. Um, I will say this was um, I always. Well, I remember when this was going on, and I can remember even back when, when Mac was in the East Coast League for a bunch of years, uh, for like three years, and then he was in the, in the, in the new IHL when he was with Muskegon, um, and then he was with Quad City, um, you know, and then the American League when he was, you know, with Providence and all this. I never, 
it, it was like the same thing when I always say now with Gallant. I'm like, well, the toughest guy in, in hockey is in the American Hockey League. It, as a fan, it was really frustrating to, to see. I, I never understood it. You have this, well, it was just the time. Like I said, I guess if McIntyre had come along 10 years earlier, he would have had a 10-year career. But I'm like, you have a 6'6", 250-pound monster that can skate, you know, is doesn't have any off-ice issues, nice guy, you know, whatever. And he's just in the mind. I'm like, why doesn't somebody get this guy? Because they were still, you know, 07, 08, 09, 2010. There were still tough guys around the NHL. It wasn't like it, it, fighting has completely died off. And uh, and like I said, I mean, the American League was a jungle when he was in the in like, you know, 07, 08. You know, you had the Morassi and Yablonski and, uh, you know, Jonathan Trombley and Wes Garth and Tristan Grant and all those guys, Ryan Flynn and etc running around so it wasn't like there was wasn't any toughness around but i remember as a fan it was just really frustrating that he would be down there and it'd be like oh why don't these guys call him up but um you know and this is as a fan i can imagine as a player how frustrating it would be but um in 2010 2011 he's back in the in the city of champions he's back with edmonton um he plays 34 games had nine tilts um first in the preseason he fights uh ivanes and uh Ivanons. Ivanez, how would you say it? I, it's funny because as I'm listening, announcers all say it kind of different, right? Evenons. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they, uh, well, it's coming. The, the first fight, though, they have in the preseason, it's actually really strong. Um, Evenons starts off strong. He's throwing really hard rights. Um, McIntyre kind of makes the comeback with the left and switches up and, uh, and he and he gets in tight, but it's a it's a solid fight back and forth. Like they hammer each other, and that's the thing with Evenons. He's like the same size as McIntyre, and and you know, and I know he was built like a god. Um, so yeah, so it's like pretty even. Like it's funny, you're six six two fifty. Find a guy that's even size with you. That's I mean, you talk about uh, two Goliaths fighting. Um, and of course, then the next game is October seventh, a regular season game in Edmonton, and uh, yeah, and this is the one. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going solid back and forth, but then, uh, and, and it, they are, they're, they're exchanging real shots, but you'll see as they're going, McIntyre shakes off, gets that elbow pad off, and then just boom, boom, and then that's it. Second shot just drops Ivan as, and even on, and, uh, actually, I think that ended his NHL career. He was, uh, he was, he was done after that, and yeah, real hard shots, and, uh, you know, and and it's and that's the reality of hockey fighting that I think sometimes I've I've mentioned on this channel many times. I think that's what I think people, uh, you know, as fans, I think we get so desensitized to it um, that all of a sudden when you know I always say like well, all of a sudden when shit gets real, all of a sudden everybody oh I don't know if I like fighting anymore and all well what did you think they were trying to do this whole time? And unfortunately, that's one of the things that happens in fights. Um, that's why the KOs are rare, but they do happen. And this was one of them, and it was a vicious one. And uh, you get a guy as big as McIntyre catching you clean. You're going down. You're looking at lights, and that's what happened. Uh, the next ga- the next time, uh, November 14th, actually fights Derek Bugard twice. Um, uh, in the in the first fight uh, with Boogie. Um, yeah, they get in tight and then they separate and Bugard's landing some, some real hard rights and, uh, McIntyre can just never really get going. And, um, yeah, clear win for Bugard in this one. 
Um, Mac doesn't go down or anything, but Bugard controls it. And, uh, and this one, Boogie is with New York, uh, controls it. And it, yeah, like I said, it's a big win. And, uh, and you knew Mac wanted the rematch cause he can't, you know, so, you know, late in the game goes out and it's funny cause, uh, it's on a face off and Storantini is lined up beside Bugard and they're having words. And, um, I can't remember the, the linesmen end up kicking somebody out of the face off circle or whatever. Mac or something happens. Mac, but McIntyre skates over, smacks, uh, Sorrentini in the ass of the stick and tells him to move. And then he lines up beside Bugard. And it's like, clearly it's like, yeah, we're doing this rematch right now. And, uh, and they go at it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, McIntyre clearly instigates it too. Um, but it really wasn't much of a fight. It was just a lot of enclosed wrestling. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't back and forth. I mean, whatever. I, I wouldn't say there was a clear win in any of it. It wasn't much of a fight, but, but he, but Mac definitely went looking for, uh, for retribution. Um, his next fight again, Colt Nor. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, uh, uh, Jersey jab. He's, he's setting the jersey jab up and he's kind of got or kind of ducking away from it and uh, he just one right hand and um you know and that and that was it I mean he didn't drop or anything that kind of went down after you know wasn't much but yeah Mac or just I this was one of those you're fighting a dude six six that's what it comes down to it's just what are you gonna do that's just what happens um uh, the next fight's with Andrew Alberts. Um, the one thing I will give, like, Andrew Alberts isn't a fighter or anything, but I will give him full marks on this one. Um, McIntyre crushes him in the corner with a big hit. And, and of course, no one in Vancouver does anything. Alberts got to get up and immediately he gets up and just goes over and just drops his shit and starts kind of, and he grabs McIntyre and kind of starts trying to punch him, but they fall down right away. Nothing happened. But I'll give him credit. He tried. He, at shit, he guts hit and has to go do his own fighting. So, but he tried, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if they would have got fighting majors for that, but, you know, while probably with McIntyre, they probably gave them to him, but, yeah, it would be, I would have given him roughing calls, I'll put it that way. Um, next fight's with Peros. Uh, yeah, it's a scrum along the boards, and they get going. Uh, not much of a fight, just tie up, it's whatever. Um, again, fight, oh, next fight's against David Kochi. Kochi's with Colorado at this point. Um, actually really solid tilt. They, um, you know, they go back and forth. I really can't, can't give a winner either way. Um, yeah, Kochi looked real solid in this one. Good kind of a comeback fight after the last time they had fought. Um, and then, uh, actually Mac, that was actually McIntyre's probably his, his final actual real fight in the NHL was that one because this last one, it's April 8th against Brad Staub. It's, um, but McIntyre just got the inst- Stobbitz hits, um, uh, who did he hit? Some, somebody for the Oilers anyway. Uh, Pavarvi? I think so. But McIntyre basically just grabs him and just drops his shit and starts punching him and, you know, Stobbitz just covers up. The one thing with this is McIntyre is kind of, they're on, on his knee. He's like, Stobbitz is covering up. McIntyre's on his knees hitting him. Oh, this friggin' linesman kind of like tries to jump on McIntyre, but he kind of misses and like flies over the pile because everybody's kind of piling in. It's like, Jesus, man, watch your skates. Like, get a, like, he's so excited to jump in. It's like, but McIntyre is punching Stobbitz when he's down. Like, it's like, you know, don't hit our guys, right? Um, basically enforcing is what he's doing. Um, 
Yeah, but this lineman gets this lineman gets so excited he goes jumping in and misses and flies over the top and his skates are all over. It's like holy shit, man. But uh yeah, so I I wasn't a fight, but it was just McIntyre going after a guy for hitting his player. But um and unfortunately, um that's it in the NHL for for Steve. Um he actually ends up playing um uh 13 game in 11 uh, 2011, 2012, he actually played 13 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he didn't have any fights. Um, you know, I know him and Neil kind of had a little run in and we're going back and forth, but, but that was about it. Um, so yeah, 13 games, zero fights, which is kind of rare, but, uh, for Mac, he just couldn't find one, I guess. But yeah, other than that, it's, um, yeah, like I said, that wraps it up. 91 games, 22 tilts. Uh, and like I said, I think that's the, uh, that that's the thing with McIntyre. Um, uh, pe- I think people just think he was around forever and he played for a real long time, but he really didn't. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm not saying that in a, again, not in a derogatory way, but it just I get why people think that. But it's like, yeah, 91 games, um, but yeah, 22 NHL tilts. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm sure most of you out there probably. Um, you know, watched enough McIntyre fights and all that, but uh, yeah, it was just something. Uh, I don't know what I was doing. I was I, I was going to do a player spotlight, and I'm like, who can I do a spotlight on? And uh, I was I was just going through fight cards, and I just saw McIntyre's. I was like, yeah, Steve McIntyre, why not? Um, you know, and because I wanted to bring up the fact that I think people think he had a lot more fights in the NHL than they did, but um, yeah, again, all the fights that I reviewed, all of them are on YouTube, so you can, you know, you can um, go on there and watch them and check it out. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of real good ones, um, you know, the, the McGratton one especially. Uh, definitely go watch the McGratton one because you'll just see the, the skill that's involved in fighting. Um, but, yeah, other than that, guys, yeah, that's an hour and a half of your life you're never going to get back. Um, no, I... Again, I don't know what these player spotlights of people are. Like I said, some people seem people seem to enjoy them. I haven't gotten put it this way. I haven't gotten anybody saying they they suck or anything. So, um, you know. Uh, but like I said, I hope you guys go on YouTube and check them out, and uh, you know, follow along and uh, and and enjoy them because uh, I, I I certainly um, just by listening. Like I said, when you go down that YouTube rabbit hole, I, I've I've really enjoyed the. Uh, I've really enjoyed the exercise um, with a bunch of the guys that I've done, all the guys that I've done. And um, and like I said, it, and I knew people have brought up, oh, you should do players. Well, you should do Probert. Well, as everybody's sort of seen, haven't they? I mean, I, I guess I just, well, clearly one bozo never saw the Mac, or the McKenzie fights. Um, I mean, I guess I could, but it, it's, you know, when you, and a lot of those, see the guys that I do the player spotlights on are the guys that, you know, played, didn't really play a lot of games and, and, you know, kind of, again, I don't mean it as a disrespectful thing, but forgotten about a little bit. Like, I think it's been Stoyanov, um, was it Mark Jansen's, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Murray, Rocky Thompson, you know, got Dodie Wood, guys like that, that weren't around a long time. So I think they might fly under the radar for fight fans. Um, I, like I had one guy got a hold of me. He didn't know who Dodie Wood was. Well, he's a younger guy, and I understand that. I mean, shit, Wood was probably done playing before the guy was even born. Um, and he loved Dodie. Like he was like, I can't get enough of this guy. He's outstanding with the duck underneath and the tech, you know, the technical ability. 
yeah, that's I'm like exactly. That's why I did the spotlight on him. He's tremendous, and um, so yeah, um, you know, so that's why the the you know the player spotlights have been a lot of fun. So I'm I'm very uh, uh, yeah. I don't know what I was gonna say there, but um, yeah, guys, I'll just wrap it up here. Um, one last thing before I go. Um, again, as I always say with social media, Facebook, Twitter, I'm on there. Um, whatever platform you're listening to the show on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, what have, Podbean, whatever, um, I always say it, and if you really could, it would just for myself, but for every podcast you listen to, if you could, if you could just rate the show, there's a little star rating on this Spotify thing and whatever it says, rate this show or whatever. If you could do that, that would be outstanding because it helps the creator out in the algorithms of Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Um, same thing on YouTube. If you're watching a video and you really like the video of someone, hit the, hit that like, the thumbs up thing. I know it's corny, thumbs up. It's like, yeah, okay. But seriously, hit the thumbs up. Maybe subscribe to their channel. YouTube loves that shit. That's again, and that's how you get in the algorithms. So that's all I always ask for you guys. If you, if you want, if you enjoy the content and you listen all the time and you, uh, this is the podcast I always listen to and I really enjoy this guy's content. Well, that's how you can thank them is by liking their stuff reviewing their stuff because that way that gets out like when you listen to a podcast and underneath where it says related shows that's how you get into the related shows is by people reviewing your show and that's how you get into those algorithms and uh, on those apps so yes if you could rate this show it would be outstanding and uh if you want to get a hold of me as i was the kids say my dms are open send me a private message if you're not on social media you're smarter than the rest of us email me hockeyfights at hotmail.com i'd love to hear from you Good, bad, or otherwise, some constructive criticism, or if you just want to say you suck, I'm never listening to your show again. I've gotten those emails too. I understand. Um, but no, if you have show ideas, if you want to come on the show and talk about something, I'm all ears for sure. Drop me a line. Love to hear from you. Um, other than that, um, of course, last week when I had Jay on, we reviewed the Southern Pro League. I really enjoyed that interview. Jay's always a great guest. Definitely have him on again. Um, but in saying that, that interview was, or that interview, that episode was number 300. And, um, I, I had to start, I had a thing there and I talked about it, but I, I really want to thank everybody and the feedback that I got and, uh, online, a lot of people, you know, well wishes and thank you for 300 episodes and, um, and, and it was, and it was cool. And I really appreciated that. And I just wanted to thank everybody that, uh, that took the time to, uh, send me, I got a ton of messages from people and, um, yeah, it was cool. And again, I want to thank Isha and Dylan at the network for, for allowing me to give me the platform and bringing me back. Like I said, I was done podcasting and he phoned me and the rest is history. So I really want to thank them for the opportunity, um, for allowing, for giving me the platform for the show, for paying me. Hey, I get paid, you know, to do, and not, you know, I'm not quitting my day job or anything, but I'm just thankful to make a lot of people podcast and don't make any money. Um, the fact that I'm getting a, a bit of cash, um, like I said, I save it up, it pays for my plane tickets for Vegas. And I, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I was doing this shit for free anyway, right? But, uh, no, the fact I can make a few bucks is cool. And I, and I really appreciate the, them for giving me the opportunity. And, um, yeah. And like I said, Alec has joined the network now. So I don't know. Maybe money will go down. <laughs> I don't, we'll see. But, uh, no, it'll be fun. And, uh, no. So again, I want to, I want to thank everybody that, uh, that sent, uh, well wishes and, uh, and, and, uh, and all that. So very much appreciated. Uh, that episode did really well. Broke into the top 100 in Canada. Um, broke in the top down in the UK. Did really well. I think it was about 85, I think it got to. 
Um, which, you know, you just think out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hockey podcasts to even be mentioned in there and to be 85th in Canada. Maybe it was for one day, but still I was in there, right? So, um, no, just to see your name amongst those shows is, um, you know, really humbling. And, and it says a lot. And Jay was a great guest and he promoted it and he did great too. I got to thank him because, you know, he got out there and spread the word, he spreads the word as well. Oh, he does for every episode, but, uh, yeah, so it, it was really cool. And, um, yeah. I want to thank everybody that uh, that listened and uh, and con- and hopefully continues to listen and and like I always say if you uh, if you know someone that maybe they you know they're a, they're an old time hockey fan and uh, but they're not on social media or whatever let them hey there's this dude you should listen to and because uh, I always say you guys are my billboard your word of mouth is how this show is going to grow and uh, you know and I know a lot of guys out there do it on social media they're always retweeting it and everything and I'm that's awesome but uh, yeah. It, it's been a fun ride. We'll put it that way. Somebody said, yeah, here's the 300 more. It's like, oh, I don't know about 300 more, but we'll keep going for a little while anyway. But uh, but not for right now. I'm going to shut up and get out of here because it's literally 12 o'clock at night here. So, um, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. I always say I know there's a million shows out there. The fact that you chose to listen to mine, I greatly appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, – We'll see what happens on, on Wednesday, but that's, uh, I don't know about a guest or not, but uh, working on it. We'll see what happens. But uh, in the meantime, um, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?